my goodness. Okay, right now, turn to two people right where you are and give them a high five, an appropriate high five. Come on, give two people a high five. All right, come on. That is awesome. Well, welcome, everybody. <clears throat> this is, that's enough. That's enough. That's enough. Wow, a lot of touchy-feely going on. Not sure how I feel about that. Well, this is part five, our conclusion of our socially awkward series. And, you know, that whole high five thing, you know, I was at a conference just this week. And uh, there, are, there are some people, which, by the way, some of you have been all through this awkward series. You'll notice the T-shirt. Some of you are like, socially awkward. What about awkward penguin? What about awkward? I'm like, what is going on? Apparently, there's a craze on the Internet right now about the awkward penguin. There he is. There he is. You're welcome. You're welcome. I have no idea. I just wear what they tell me to wear. I'm just being honest. I'm just being honest. So, okay, so this week we were at a pastor's conference in Dallas, and uh, several of our team, I was there. And speaking of the whole, like, awkward high-five thing, there's also in church world uh, this awkward handshake thing that, that every time, from time to time it happens, and certainly at pastor's conferences where everybody's really, really spiritual, uh, it can happen. Sometimes, I'll be honest with you, it happens out here. And here's, here's what I'm talking about. This is just truth in lending right here. Here you go. You, you shake somebody's hand. What's up? Right? Okay. And they hold on too long. And then they pull you in like the, tra- like the tractor beam of the Death Star. And they're like, and here's how you know you're in trouble. You know you're in trouble when they say something like, uh, and they hit you. And then they hold and they go, praise the Lord, brother. And then they start to pull you in, and you're like, no, awkward, it happened this week. I'm walking through the halls, I'm like, what up, what up, what up, what up, what up? No, 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 And then you're like, unlock, but then you feel all unspiritual. Because then you're like, ah. So, here's the deal. All I know is whoever invented the fist bump, uh, germaphobe that you were, God love you. God, lo- I'm tell- I should write you. I should buy you a gift card for the what's up? Uh, uh, that's all of all of the all of the benefits of a high five with none of the commitment. That's what. Come on, right now, two people fist bump. Come on, two people right now. Come on. Thank you, Mr. Fist bump. Thank you, germaphobe. Thank you, antibacterial. We thank you. That's how we roll. Well, guys, this is part five, and here's the deal. You know, when it comes to socially awkward people, and clearly we've seen a lot of them already this weekend, when it comes to socially awkward people, there are some people that they're socially awkward because they're awkward. And then, you know, right now, you know what I'm talking about. And there are some people that are socially awkward because they've been hurt. Because something has happened in their life that's created this awkwardness. If you have your Bible, I would love for you to turn with me to Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5 is where we're going to be this weekend as we conclude our series because in Mark chapter 5, we find an interesting exchange where Jesus actually has an encounter with three different types of people, each one of them awkward socially in their own way. But in Mark chapter 5, starting in verse 21, we, we find this, these interactions where Jesus interacts with these people who are not awkward because of awkwardness or awkward for awkward's sake, like some people we know in our world. These people were awkward because something had happened in their life and, and that had led them to be that way. And here's what I believe. I believe that this weekend, every single one of us, not only do we know someone who's awkward for awkward's sake, but I believe... Each one of us have people in our life 
that's awkward because something has happened in their life that's caused them to be that way. And I believe that Jesus' response to these awkward individuals has a lot to teach us about how he would want us to respond in our life to those individuals as well. If you have your Bible, I would love for you to um, begin reading with me in Mark chapter 5, starting in verse 21. If you don't have your Bible, that's fine. The verses will be on the screen. You can follow along there. Here's what it says. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Verse 22. Then one of the synagogue rulers, so a high up government official, a, a religious leader of the day named Jairus came there. Seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet and pleaded earnestly with him. My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. Verse 25. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. What's going on here? Basically this, Jesus and his disciples are in the height of his fame, the height of his ministry, the height of his notoriety. And so Jesus arrives in this town, arrives at the seashore. And when he steps out, instantly people begin to know, this is Jesus, this is Jesus. And so the crowds come running. Well, when the synagogue ruler, this religious important guy of the day, hears that Jesus is in town, he has a huge need. And so this man named Jairus comes and he finds Jesus. And when he finds him, he falls at his feet and he says, Jesus, my daughter is dying. I have a huge need in my life. And if you would come with me and touch her, I know that she could be healed. And so Jesus is like, all right, well, come on, man, let's go. So they take off. And while they take off, the crowds just begin to mob them. And this mob scene ensues. And there's people all over the place. And in the midst of this mob is a woman who represents the first kind of socially awkward people that Jesus encountered. And this first category is the broken. This woman was broken. The Bible records that she had an issue of blood. That Her body had been bleeding in a very, very unhealthy way for 12 straight years. And this woman is broken. This woman is hurting. This, this woman is, is desperate. This woman has tried everything. She's went to all of the medical doctors of the day. She's spent all she's had. And instead of getting better, she's actually gotten worse. This woman is broken. And here's what I believe. I believe that in each and every one of our lives as well, each one of us can think of people who are broken. People who have issues. People who when you get around them, are, 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 are conflicted, are troubled. People who, when you get around them, are, are sick. Some of us have, have co-workers. Some of us have family members who, who have physical ailments, physical diseases, physical illnesses. Some of us have family members who are battling disease or cancer, and it has gone on for year after year after year, and it's become a hopeless situation. Every one of us know broken people in our lives. Some of us are broken. Some of us are the ones who are hurting. Some of us are the ones who emotionally are not all there. Some of us are the ones who have battled year after year after painful year disease or cancer or sickness in our body in some way. 
That's where Jesus finds himself, interacting with a category of people that we'll call the broken. Look what happens next. Verse 27. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. She gets this plan. She's like, okay, if I can just get to Jesus. And so she does. She weasels her way through the, cl- the crowd and she touches the hem of his garment, just, just the edge of his robe. And look what happens. Verse 29, immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. It worked. God does a miracle. The, the miracle working power of Jesus comes out of him in that moment when she just, just, just gets in and just touches the, the edge of his garment. She's instantly healed and watch his response. Verse 30, at once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? Verse 31, I love this. Look at the disciples' response right here. You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered. And yet you're really going to ask? Who touched you? I love that. The disciples are like, seriously, Lord? We're being mobbed. We can't even hardly walk down the street. And you're really going to look around and say, who touched me? Who touched Everybody touched you. What are you talking about, man? Like 50 million people have touched you in the last half second. Are you serious? You're going to ask? Look at Jesus' response. I love this. Verse 32. But Jesus kept looking around. Listen, if you've come into this place this weekend and you find yourself in this category, you're one of the the broken. I want you to know something. I want you to know that we serve a God who never stops looking around for you. It's not a mistake that you're here. Hear me. It's not a mistake that you're here. We have a God who never stops looking around for the broken and the hurting in our world. And if you've come into this place this weekend and that's where you find yourself, there's something going on in your relationships. There's something going on in your life. There's something going on in your heart. There's something going on, an issue in your body. I want you to know we serve a God who knows you're there and will not stop until he gets to see you face to face and have an encounter with you. Jesus kept looking around, verse 32, to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. She's like, I'm busted. It's me. Lord, it was me. I'm the one who crawled up underneath all these feet and I I touched her. It was me. And this is kind of like the moment right here. You know, what's Jesus going to do? What's his response to the broken in his world? Look what he does. Verse 34, he said to her daughter, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. I love this. I love that this woman who's snuck through the masses, this woman who's, who's crawled up, who snuck up behind Jesus to just get close, this woman who, who their culture considered unclean, this woman 
has an encounter with Jesus, and, and I love Jesus' response to the broken. And I believe it's, it's an illustration. I believe it's a testimony. It's an example to every single one of us who would claim to be Christians, every single one of us who would name the name of Jesus. I believe this is an example of how Jesus wants us to respond, believers, to the broken in our world. And the first question I want to challenge us with this weekend is, what's our typical response to the broken in our world? I don't know about you, but I'm just like ridiculously convicted preaching this right now. I'm just telling you, this convicts me. You know why? Because I think so many times I'm guilty in my life of running past, of hurrying past. In the name of urgency, in the name of I got stuff to do, I got people to see, I got places to go. Okay, listen, if anybody had urgency, it was Jesus. Remember, homeboy's daughter is dying. Okay, that's urgent. That's a, that's a pretty important to-do list task. And yet, when confronted with the broken, Jesus stopped and he showed love. He showed mercy. He showed understanding. And he helped her. How do you and I respond to the broken in our world? Are we quick to just brush past? Are, are, we, are, we, are we impatient with the hurting and the broken in our world, with the EGRs, the extra grace required people, the socially awkward ones. What's our response to the broken? Because I believe Jesus gives us an example here of how we ought to respond. But remember, there's still this issue of this guy with the dying daughter, right? Like meanwhile, back at the ranch, okay, look, look what happens next, verse 35. While Jesus was still speaking, so he's still talking to this lady, some men came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler, the important guy. Some of his hired guns, some of his successful businessmen, some of his key leaders, some of his intelligent, smart, successful guys came up to, to, Jesus, or to the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler, and they said, your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? So, it's cool. Listen, we, we work for a, a pretty important dude. We're pretty important ourselves. We get it. Okay, Jesus, we understand you got like a million other things to be doing. I mean, look at the mob of people around. Like, look at the craziness. Okay, listen, the last thing you need is to be involved in a hopeless situation. And so I doubt that you can do anything. And so I don't mean to criticize. I don't mean to be critical of you, Jesus, or, or anything else going on here. But listen, homegirl cut in line. And so now it's too late for our guy and his daughter. Sorry. The second kind of people that Jesus had to encounter not, were not only the broken, but were the doubters. The doubters. And here's what I know. I know that every single one of us, if we're, if we're pursuing God, if we're seeking to become everything God's called us to be, if, if we're seeking to leverage our life, our talents, our giftings, our abilities, to impact and influence someone else in our world, here's what I know. I know that it Certain moments in time, every one of us will encounter doubters and critics. And how we deal with the doubters, how we deal with the critics among us will determine everything. So here are these guys who rush in and they're like, hey, sorry to interrupt everything. And I'm sure it's great for this lady here. But guess what? It's over. Nothing can happen. I don't believe it. I don't got faith for it. Look at Jesus' response to the doubters and the critics in his life. Verse 36, I love this. Ignoring what they said. 
Uh. I love that. I love that we have a God who knows how to ignore people. Wait. That was awkward. Right? Listen, there are going to be times in our life where doubters and critics come at us. Where people challenge us on our faith. They challenge us on our vision. They challenge us on our beliefs. There are going to be times where people come at us and attack us. And can I just tell you, we must do as Jesus did. It says, ignoring what they said. Jesus told the synagogue ruler, don't be afraid, just believe. Here's the deal. Jesus, he he wasn't rude. He wasn't mean. He didn't criticize. He didn't try and argue with them. What do you mean? What do you, well, I bet, and I can quote scripture, and I can do it. No, no, listen. He didn't argue. He didn't fight. He didn't be all like, what up? He didn't do that. You know what he did? He looked at the person who wanted to believe. He looked at the gyrus, the person who needed the miracle, and he said, hey, don't be afraid. Come on. Let's go. Let's go. And I think Jesus gives us an amazing example of how you and I can respond to the doubters, to the critics in our world. He, he, he wasn't rude. He wasn't mean. He wasn't arrogant. He didn't pick a fight. He didn't posture himself against them. But, so important, he didn't let their voice take root in his heart. And here's what I think. I think it's possible that this weekend there are some of us who are listening right now and there are people in your life who are doubters, who are critics, who are like woodpeckers. And they're just, they're just pecking at you, pecking at you, pecking at you. And here's what you need to do. I love you. Shh. You need to start to distance yourself. Listen, why? Because the further you go in this faith journey, guys, listen, we got to know this. The more the doubters, the critics are going to come against you. I'll I'll be honest with you. For 10 years of leading Next Level Church, listen, when you're in a leadership position like my wife and I find ourselves in, from time to time, you get people who come against you. You get people who who want to kind of, you know, question things or, or, you know, woodpecker type of deal. I remember when we first started the church, of course, we named our church Next Level because when you come into relationship with Jesus, he takes your life to the next level. That's where the name came from. Some of you are like, there you go. <laughs> Eight years, there you go. You're welcome. But we got some criticism. We got some pushback from, from some other Christian leaders in our community who were like, so you guys think you're better than everyone? You're like the next level church. You're like, you're like better. No. We just think when you come into relationship with Jesus, he takes your life to the next level. Huh. It, 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 here's, here's what I'm trying to say. Listen, from time to time, there's, there's going to be critics. From time to time in our relationship with Jesus, you're going you're gonna to try and crack the door and have a conversation with someone, and they're going to push back on you. They're going to go, well, you know, uh, whatever. Okay, you've you got to know how to deal with the doubters. And the key is you've got to grow thick skin. It's not easy. It's always painful. But we can't let those seeds uh, of criticism get into our heart because when they do, we will begin to function and live our life out of bitterness. And that will poison the water of your life. That's why Proverbs talks about how, how we are to guard our heart. Because out of it is the wellspring or the life flow of life. 
that the, that the spring of life comes from our heart. And some of us, you've allowed, you've allowed, listen, this is a word for somebody. You've allowed words, seeds of criticism to take root in your heart. And it's, and it's poisoning the water. And people are trying to let you know, and they may not even consciously understand it, but people are, 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 are awkward toward you. People are bouncing off of you. People are, are, are skirting the edges with you. And the reason why, search your heart, man. You need to do business with God this week. Because, because you've allowed seeds of bitterness to take root in your heart. And because you have, it's affecting everything else in your life. And you can't figure it out. You're like, why doesn't, why can't I? I just feel like I'm out of rhythm in my life. That's what's going on. That's what's going on. Jesus learned the art of not being rude, not being mean, not being critical, of simply ignoring them. But look, the voices get really, really uh, loud as well. Verse 37. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. Verse 38. When they came to the home of the synagogue ruler, Jesus saw commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. Verse 39. He went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. Look at verse 40. This is their response. They laughed at him. Harsh. Talk about criticism. Here's this amazing, uh, miracle-working religious figure of the day. Some were even saying Jesus was the Messiah, the Savior of the world. He walks into this house, and when he says, Hey, what's with all of the noise? Well, hang on. She's not dead. She's just asleep. They looked at his face, and they laughed in his face. And look what Jesus did. I love this. Come on, somebody. But they led to him. After he put them all out. Oh. Just get out. Just get out. No, 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 no. Listen, if you don't got faith, it's cool. I'm not going to be mean, but you can't be here. And listen, some of you, this is a word for somebody. Some of you have voices in your life that have been critical to you. Some of you have voices in your life that are just like a woodpecker. They're just naming. Here's what you need to do. In a a life-giving way, you need to begin to separate yourself from those people and put distance between you and them. Because they are eroding your faith. And Jesus knew, listen, if we're going to see God do a miracle in this girl's life, if we're going to see God touch this girl, then the doubters got to get out. Then the critics got to get out. Because I can't stand here and argue with you and debate with you and theological with you and definition of the Greek and the Hebrew and the thing and the syntax and any other spiritual words I learned in Bible college that some of you have these arguments and debates with people in your world. Listen, stop, stop. Stop. Put them outside. Why? Because a little girl's dying. And we're so busy in the church debating. Forget the debate. Man, I just, I, I just do not debate people. I, they're like, well, what are you thinking about that? Pre-dispensation or post-dispensation? I don't know. Here's what I know. Somebody's dying right now. Somebody's dying. And I got to get in there. So, so let's, let's not do this because we've got to go do that. That's why we're here. That's why we're here, Next Level Church. That's why we're here. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. Verse 41, he took her by the hand and said to her, little girl, I say to you, get up. 
Immediately the girl stood up and walked around because she was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. I love this. Verse 43, he gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this. Like, don't write it down in the Bible. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this. And I love this last part. Look, this is the best ending to this amazing miracle. And can you make sure you get her something to eat? I love that. Okay, listen, here's the third kind of people that Jesus encountered. And that's the innocent. The innocent. Jesus encountered the broken, the doubters, and the innocent. Jesus encountered the innocent. This 12-year-old girl had done nothing wrong. This 12-year-old girl was innocent. This 12-year-old girl found herself as an innocent victim caught in the crossfire of life. But Jesus had a response to her. And I want you to notice Jesus' response to her. You know what it was? It was twofold. Number one, meet her at the point of her need. And number two, help her take the next most practical step. That was the response of Jesus. Meet her at the point of her need. He brought healing there. And then she looks hungry. Can somebody make a subway run? Some, somebody called Jared because homegirl needs to eat something. He helped her take the next most practical step. Okay, next level. Come on, listen. Here's the deal. Here's the whole point. You and I have the ability to change someone's life forever this week. And here's why. Because this week, every single one of us, at some point, are going to encounter someone who's, a bro- who's broken, someone who's a doubter, a cynic, a critic, and someone who's innocent. And every single one of us are going to have an opportunity this week in the midst of that exchange, in the midst of that encounter, to be the hands and feet of Jesus. When you came in today, you were given a bulletin. And inside that bulletin are two invitation cards. Would you reach in your bulletin right now and just take, the, take those two invitation cards out? Just grab those two invitation cards. I want you to pull those out because next week we're launching a new series that we're calling Big Miracle. And it's Easter weekend. We're doing five services for the love of Pete. I'm telling you, it's going to be unbelievable. And let me tell you why. The reason why is because we believe we are inside of one of the greatest harvest season opportunities that we have all year long. And here's what I'm believing. And here's my challenge to you. My challenge to you is this week to take these invitation cards with you and to invite one of each. I'm believing that this week God is going to place before every single one of us, myself included, someone who is broken, someone who is hurting, someone who is in need of repair. And my challenge to you is when you encounter that broken person, don't just rush by, don't just run by, don't just, but, but pause and let the Holy Spirit just convict you in that moment and just grab your attention and go, hang on. This is a broken person. And, and change your perspective, change your attitude with them. And, and rather than being impatient or rather than being, uh, and rolling your eyes, pause in that moment. Recognize them as a broken person and say, hey, you need to come. It's Easter. You need to come with me to my church and invite them. 
I believe every one of us, God is going to put in our path someone this week who's a doubter, who's a critic, who's a cynic. And they're going to come and, and they're going to cross our path. And when they do, we're going to have, have that temptation to get defensive. We're going to have that temptation to be like, or whatever. Don't do that. Here's, here's my challenge. Invite them. You know how Jesus persuaded the doubter? With his life. He just let his life speak for itself. And here's my challenge. Invite them. Invite a broken person. Invite a doubter. And just say, hey, you, you, listen, you don't even have to believe it. Listen, every red-blooded American goes to church on Easter, so you need to be there. Just challenge them with their patriotism or something. I don't know. At least then you'll actually have some accurate data to criticize, right? I mean, I don't know. Invite someone who's broken. Invite someone who's a doubter. And I believe this week God's going to put someone who's just innocent in your path. That just someone who's just caught in the crossfire of life, who's just looking around trying to figure it all out. And God's going to prompt your heart and he's going to go, hey, there's an innocent. Invite them to church. It's Easter. It's Easter weekend. And guys, I'm telling you, we are pulling out all of the stops. It's going to be fun. It's going to be hope-filled, joy-filled. We're launching our series, Big Miracle. We're talking about the resurrection and, and all that that means for us. Because Jesus has risen from the dead, what does that mean in our lives? I'm telling you, it is going to be an amazing, amazing weekend. A weekend that I believe God wants to use us to impact hundreds and hundreds of broken innocent, and doubters in our life. So here's what I want you to do. Take those out right now. Hold them. Hold them in your hand because I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you and I want to pray for the people that God's going to put in our path. If you're sitting next to your spouse, reach over. Just take their hand. Come on, let's just agree together. If you're sitting next to someone that you'd like to date, just reach over. Take that. No, don't do that. Don't do that. Come on. I just want us to pray. I just want us to pray. This is the season of opportunity. The broken are calling out. The doubters are looking for something. And the innocent need us in this season. Let's go be the hands and feet of Jesus. And I can't think of any easier way than right here. Heavenly Father, I pray right now for every single person who's listening this weekend. God, I pray for us that you would allow us to be the hands and feet of you, Lord Jesus. I pray for your anointing to be upon us. I pray that you would give us courage and that, God, you would uh, give us spiritual eyes to see, a spiritual sensitivity to see those who are broken, those who are hurting, those who are busted up, those who are lonely, those who are discouraged. Give us spiritual eyes to see them this week, God. Give us spiritual eyes to see the encounters with the doubters and the cynics and the critics. Give us spiritual eyes to see those who have just been, been mixed up in the crossfire of life and are just innocently just bouncing like a pinball through life, not knowing which way is up. God, give us spiritual eyes this week and then give us the courage, Spirit of God, to be your hands and feet. And to not come alone next weekend on Easter. But to invite someone, one of each, to come with us. Staying in this moment of prayer, I just want to pause. And Lord, I just want to pray right now for some of us who've come in this place this weekend. And we're the broken one. We can identify with that woman with the issue. 
Because God, truth be told, we're the one with the issue. But we're the one with the seed of bitterness that's taken root in our heart and it's poisoning our water. And Lord, I just pray right now that this would be a moment of, of washing us clean. Father, I pray for the one who's broken, who's been, been struggling with depression for years. I pray that that depression would be broken off of us right now. God, I pray for the one who's had anger issues, who, who's, who has bitterness and resentment that's taken root in our heart. God, may this be the moment where we finally get healed from that. God, I pray for the one who's been struggling with an addiction for seven years. You've been battling this addiction. And right now, Jesus wants to heal you. Someone right now who's, who's, who has a broken relationship and it's been broken for a while and you've thought to yourself, it's without hope. And you're, you're this close to giving up and God would say to you, don't give up. I want to mend what is broken. And if you will touch the hem of my garment, if you will take one little small step toward that person this week, I'll begin the process. And it's going to be a process. But I'll begin the process of healing and mending that broken relationship. Somebody right now, you're in a dark, dark place. Like you're, you feel like you're in a dark hole and you're, you're grasping. You're, you're, you're in a drastic mode. Listen, don't leave this place this weekend without getting prayer, without coming down to the front at the end by the stage right here. There's going to be a prayer team. Come and talk to them. We want to pray with you. We want to connect with you. You're in a dark place and this, you're in a, you're in a life or death moment in this thing because you're grasping, you're, you're desperate and your desperation is about to lead you to do something that, that is not wise. And the Spirit of God right now is arresting you. Saying, hey, come on. Come on. Turn to me. Turn to me. Don't turn to anger. Don't turn to violence. Turn to me. That's a word from God for you. Listen, you got to hear that. God, you're touching the broken right now. You're touching the broken right now. Jesus, would you come and be our healer even now in the quietness of this moment, right where we're seated. In our heart, we just take one small step. We just reach out and touch the hem of your garment right now, knowing that you want to heal us, that you want to deal with our issue. You don't condemn us. You don't judge us. You don't run past us. You pause and you call us son. You call us daughter. And you look us in the eye. And you tell us to go in peace. We thank you for that right now, Jesus. We thank you for that. And God, we cover this week in prayer. We cover the next seven days that you would give us opportunity between now and Easter weekend to be the hands and feet of you, Lord. And I pray, God, that you would give each one of us the courage to find someone who's broken, someone who's a cynic or a doubter, and someone who's innocent and bring them with us into this place that we might come and see you touch them just as you've touched our lives in so many ways. And so, God, we thank you for it now. In Jesus' name. 
And everyone who agreed with this prayer said, Amen. Come on, can we just clap our hands? Come on, let's just thank God for what he's doing.